0: You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Drew Meyer. For more information about other LifePoint Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. More than that, for us to understand the implications of that good news on our daily life through an identity that we gain through relationship with Jesus Christ, that you and I are sons and daughters, that in Jesus Christ we gain an inheritance. So it's not just a generic ticket into heaven, but instead God grants you an inheritance in his kingdom, a rightful place as a son or as a daughter in his kingdom. That's really good news. Monday through Sunday, that's really good news. And so interestingly enough, counter to the Western way of thinking, Paul ends the book of Galatians by pushing us towards community. In our our individualistic age, our independent age, it's so easy to live isolated from doing life shoulder to shoulder with other people. But 2,000 years ago, God knew what we needed best, and he, through the Holy Spirit, inspired Paul to encourage us towards authentic community with others, because it's in, in community that grace, the grace of God, the good news that we've been talking about is both experienced and expressed. That's the main idea of my message this morning, is the grace of God is both experienced and expressed in community. You and I have an opportunity to grow in understanding from this day forward. From the first day you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that's just not a, um, that's just not a final state. Instead you're entering into something that's only the beginning. From that day forward, you and I are invited into a daily experience alongside others where we can experience grace, and we can also be a gift to others and help others understand the grace of God more accurately. By being the grace of God, the kindness of God. Community is something me and my wife, we spend a lot of time talking about. Oftentimes, many evenings on our couch, in our living room, we we talk about community, our desire for a more... Accurate biblical expression of community in our day, in our in the 21st century, our hearts are hungry for it. Something happened in our lives shortly after college as we moved away from family and friends. We, we were working in the marketplace in Seattle. And we realized there on our own, establishing ourselves, that community was a decision. Community was a decision that we made to consciously immerse ourselves in life with others. Community does not just happen passively. Instead, community is it's a decision that we make to immerse ourselves alongside others in an authentic way where we are accountable and people really know us. There's an inner circle of people that know us and they see us and we live life together. And it's in that context of real community, which is so counterculture, it's, it's not common. It's in that place that the grace of God becomes more real, more tangible to us, and then through us, to others. And that's where, that's where Galatians chapter 6 brings us, so that's where we're going to go this morning. You guys excited? Yes, I can sense it. Edge your seats, Galatians chapter 6. Let's pray before we go there. Lord, you're so good. I can sense your goodness here and. All sorts of things happen in our lives that can begin to warp our understanding of who you are and your message of redemption. Sometimes it's our own twisted thinking. Sometimes it's because of things that happen to us. But God, I pray this morning you would penetrate through all that. And every single person here would would have a a fresh sense of hope and faith in community. It's not going to be perfect, it's not going to be flawless. But Lord, if they're willing to put themselves out and take a risk and put themselves in a vulnerable place, it's in that place that they experience a blessed life where the, the good news of Jesus is more relevant than ever before. It's real and it's tangible. It has substance. As they're learning to experience the grace of God in, in the real stuff of life. And they're, they're learning to express it to others. I pray it in your mighty name. Make it real. Come alive this morning. Jesus. Amen. So Galatians, we've been been here now for several weeks, but I'll just make sure everyone understands where the book of Galatians is bringing us. The purpose of this book is very clear. Paul is setting the record straight for these influencers had made their way into the, the Galatian churches, this whole region of churches, and started convincing some that there was something more they needed to do besides just place their faith in Jesus Christ. They had to follow certain Jewish traditions, they had to be circumcised, and Paul wasn't going to have it. He wanted the simple, of, the simple gospel of Jesus to be preserved. So that's what he was contending for. That's what we've been talking about now for several weeks. And it's such good news. And finally, he brings us to the heart of community. Monday through Sunday, community, doing life with others, shoulder to shoulder. And actually, we're going to start with verse 26 of chapter 5, because that more fittingly fits in with chapter 6. He says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Envying one another. I apologize. Grace is experienced and expressed in community. And firstly, I want us to understand that gospel community is a reality check. If we live an isolated life, secluded from others, we can have a false perception of reality. In light of our own righteousness, others' unrighteousness, or it could be the other way around, we feel like we are So unworthy of experiencing what other people have. If we live in isolation, what sets in is what's running rampant in our day and age is the sin of comparison, which at the heart of it is pride. And Paul is going after both ends of those uh, both both ends of that spectrum by going after the heart of pride. He says, "Let's not fall into conceit, provoking one another, which is this heart of superiority. You're challenging, you're puffing your chest over someone." Placing yourself over somebody, that's, that's pride. On well, the other end of the spectrum is this envy, which is this inferior, inferior, inferiority complex. The sense that I can never be what they have, I just wish I had what they had. That's so common now in, our, in the 21st century because of our isolation. But when we immerse ourselves in the community, there's this reality check that happens. It's called humility. Humility is the gatekeeper to the real grace of God being experienced and expressed in our lives. It's humility. And community is a prime opportunity for our eyes to be taken off of ourselves. Pride is nothing more than a self-absorption, a, a self-centeredness, always thinking about ourselves. So in the superiority side, it's, it's us at the, at the center, placing ourselves over others. If it's in the inferiority, inferior, I don't know if I'm having such a hard time with that word, But being inferior to others it's this we're still so obsessed with ourselves that we're trying to measure up to others and we're putting ourselves down because we we don't feel like we we could ever be what they are. At the center of it is still pride. C.S. Lewis said it himself. that Humility is not thinking less of yourself but it's thinking about yourself less. And Paul is going after it. So the true gospel community both humbles us and it emboldens us. Wherever you're at, it tears out this this tendency towards self-centeredness. And if you're willing to immerse ourselves in real gospel community, we'll both be humbled in this this healthy sense of my need, my desperate need for Jesus, my desperate need for a Savior. And at the same time, the gospel in community emboldens us because we're all equal. We're all one in Christ, as he said in Galatians chapter 2. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave, nor free, nor male, nor female. We are all one in Christ. So there's this emboldening that happens in community, where you have an identity, you have a place. There's no reason for you to to walk in this false humility where you're tearing yourself down, putting yourself down. Instead, no, you can have the authority of Christ that you have a place that you belong. And I just speak that over you. You belong. You have a place. You are a son. You are a daughter. You have an inheritance. At the same time, you know better than the person next to you. It's both. And gospel community is a reality check. So then we get into actually what I said we were going to talk about, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So Paul here addresses a scenario, an unfortunate scenario where someone is caught in sin in the context of community. But he speaks of something that is so rare. You don't hear about this. But I'm praying for the day and age where this becomes common in our culture and here at LifePoint Church. Where the real stuff of life happens. Someone is overtaken by sin. That, That word caught isn't so much that they were like, caught like in, in a secret sin as much as they were overtaken by sin. There, there was this pattern of sin that had overtaken this person in this scenario. And in the context of community, that comes out, and there is hope for restoration. It's not being caught their hand in the cookie jar and then being reprimanded and shunned, but instead there's this heart, this longing for restoration. And so in gospel community, it's a place of, of restoration, and I want to present to you two options that we have in regards to walking through the real stuff of life, which is sin. As different ones of us in different moments were caught in being overtaken by sin, there's two approaches we can take. One is that of family, a posture of family, and the other is a posture of competition. The posture of family is what Paul is contending for as he calls them brothers, At the same time, fittingly, brothers and sisters. He goes on to say a couple verses later, he calls them the household of faith. It's one of the driving illustrations or analogies that Paul uses to describe us as a church. We are family. And in the heart of family, if someone is caught in sin, our heart longs for them to be restored. They're always going to be part of us. Unless they completely run away and, and reject us. But if they have a desire to be a part, our heart is for restoration, for redemption, for grace to flow and to abound. For them to come to a place, if they are caught in sin, they're overtaken by sin, our heart is for them to come to a place of repentance where they, they, they apply the gospel. They realize their need for Jesus. They get on their knees and they, they cry out to him and we do it alongside them. On the other end of the spectrum is this spirit of competition, which has the, the, been the typical pattern of the church. When, when someone is caught in sin, there's this tendency to use it as an opportunity to prop ourselves up. We make ourselves look better. Ah, oh, they fell. Ah, oh, we shun them. We, may, we make it as an opportunity to show that they are unrighteous, and I am righteous, which is works-based gospel. We're propping ourselves up by our own works and the things that we have done, making ourselves look good. And in competition, there's no hope for Restoration because we believe justice is in our hands and we we want them to be put in their place. God is calling us into real gospel community, which is family. It's a heart of restoration. Will everyone always be restored? No. But my prayer is that more and more often in this church, as different ones of us live life with each other and we're overtaken by sins and moments, God would allow us to help each other be restored. I remember in college when this hit me hard, and this has stuck with me now for 12, 13 years. I, I never liked reading. Elementary school, middle school, I never liked reading. But when I, I, when I uh, entered college, something just came alive in me, and I just had this, this hunger to learn and to, and to read, so I just would eat books for lunch. And I, I came across an author and a, and a pastor that I just really uh, grew to appreciate and, and respect a lot, Read most of his stuff. And I was a painter through college, so I got paid my way through engineering school. So as I'd paint, I'd listen to his sermons for hours on end. But then it happened. He had this uh, horrific, scandalous fall, as has become too, too common in the church of Jesus Christ. A scandal. And this was not just a, a, a minor slip-up, a slip of the tongue or... Um, Uh, an issue in his church. This was a massive scandal of drugs and adulterous affairs and whatnot. It broke my heart. This was a guy that I had grown to respect a great deal, but it broke my heart. But I remember what it did on a very real level in my life. I remember making a decision and having a conversation with some of my literal, a couple of my literal brothers, but then also some brothers in Christ. Making a decision in my heart, because what came out about this, this leader was he said, there was no one that really knew me. He had nobody in his inner circle. He had nobody that could peer into his life and know the real him. And I remember having this conversation with my brothers and my brothers in Christ and saying, I never want to reach that place. I never want to reach that place where no one knows the real me, where people don't have access into my life, the raw, real me. But that's where real gospel community happens is when we see each other as family. And we we are willing to place ourselves in a vulnerable place so that real restoration can happen, real repentance can happen, and the grace of God can abound. And you know, humility is the gatekeeper of real community because he also teaches them to make sure they guard their own heart, which is really what happened in, in my life 13 years ago when that happened. When that leader fell... What happened to me was, I'm not patting myself on the back for humility, I'm just saying, this should be our response. If someone else falls, self-reflection should ensue. We should say, okay, God, I never want to fall into that temptation. I know I am susceptible to the same things. God, I don't want to be there. Lord, keep me from that place. Humility should be our path. And that's what he says. Be watchful so, so you don't fall into temptation yourself. But that is family. That's grace where we're not propping ourselves up, uh, ourselves over somebody. But instead we're coming alongside them. And restoration is our hope for them. And then guarding our own hearts so that we don't fall into the same sin is the posture. That's gospel community. Let's keep reading verse 2. We're making our way. You're probably like, this guy's going to go verse by verse. This is is going to take forever. I'll get you. I'll get you to lunch. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each one will have to bear his own load. Gospel community is a place where burdens are carried. Burdens. The heavy weights of life. And Kyle went after that earlier. That community is meant to be a place where the burdens of life are lightened because we're doing life with other people. Other people are coming alongside us and, and helping to lighten the burdens of this life, which are a plenty. You don't have to go far. You don't have to live long for you to accumulate some burdens. And it's in the context of community that those burdens are lightened. I don't think it's by accident that Paul is using that analogy of or that that that. Uh, vocabulary of a burden, because as he's been going after these these religious legalists, they would be called Judaizers. These ones who are imposing the Jewish traditions upon believers. He he, a couple times here in Galatians, used the analogy of a yoke that would go around a a work animal. the 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 bonds of um, the bondage of works based gospels is like a yoke around our neck. It's like slavery. So it is with the burdens of life. There's certain things we have to carry. But if you use that, if you, if you think of it in terms of a yoke that, that goes around the, the neck of an ox, in order for you to, to go down and help lighten the burden alongside your friend, you have to come down and live with them, right? You have to come shoulder to shoulder with them. You can't do that from afar. You can't do that at arm's length. Instead, you have to come alongside them. And that is the stuff of real community. It may be messy, Maybe may be difficult. That's what Paul was going after, was the real lightening of the, of the burdens of these people. That is true Christian community. And so the ironic thing is that these Judaizers, these religious legalists, they, they were making the load heavier for the, for the people. There's, here's more requirements. Oh, this is how we interpret this. This is what this means for you. And it's like, we don't have enough burdens to carry. Let's add a few more, which is at the heart of legalism. Real gospel community, there should be a lightening of the burden. It should be easier to go after Jesus together than it is in isolation. And much easier than it is in religious legalism. When we do life together, shoulder to shoulder, there's this lightening of the load. It's a grace. There's faith to believe that we can be overcomers in Christ Jesus. I want, it can seem like a verse 2 and verse 5 are almost contradicting each other. I think Paul is is providing the perfect uh, tempering of these two extremes. He says, Bear one another's burdens, but also each one is responsible to carry his own load. The word burdens literally means heavy weight. The word load, that we're all each responsible to carry ourselves, could most literally be translated as like a backpack. We all have certain gifts and weaknesses, life experiences that we are required to carry ourselves. It's our personal responsibility. So this whole idea of bearing one another's burdens is not a mandated from on top, on, uh, on top an apostolic mandated socialism. I'm just saying we all got you know, to distribute the resources here amongst us. To bear, So that everyone's burdens are no—that's that's not what this is. Compelled by love, by the grace of God, by the real heart of gospel community. At the same time, as we walk, we have certain loads that we are responsible to carry before Christ. It's our personal responsibility. It's like a steward. God has given you something. Carry that as unto the Lord. It's a personal responsibility. I actually want to demonstrate this in a very practical way this morning. I want us to take up an offering on the spot. I don't think anybody except for my wife knows I'm going to do this, but we're going to take up an offering this morning right now for a, for a need. Um, we have an individual in our church, J.F. Krause. Many of you guys know him. John Krause, he's been a, in our church for 30 years. He is taking a trip to Costa Rica to be a part of a construction team, building a dormitory for a boys' school, as well as doing a number, number of other construction projects for some churches. And he had requested... Uh, that we help them as a church come up with the, the cost of these, supply, the, these construction supplies. I'm like, that's a no-brainer. Yes, here's a burden that we can together carry as a church family. So I'm not going to pass the plate. I'm actually just going to ask people to come forward and, and put it in the, in the basket up here this morning. For all you millennials, we do have text to give now. That's right. I know, how many offerings have I been left out of because I don't have cash? Now we have text to give. There's a number that they'll throw up on the screen here. If you want a text to give, even if it's a buck. I actually did it this morning just to confirm that it was working and the number is up there. You just text give whatever you want to that number and you set up your account and you're good to go. I'm going to pray over John and the, the trip that he's taken here in, in just a couple weeks. But I believe this is a clear opportunity for us to together Help lighten the load and come alongside this man of God. He's been a part of it. Many of you guys think of J.F. Krause as Superman because that's what he is. He just flies in. He fixes all of our problems. He's he's just an amazing uh, carpenter and and handyman. We appreciate J.F. a lot. He's actually in Nebraska dedicating or a part of his, the dedication of his granddaughter this morning. So he's not with us. But let's pray for J.F. and then different ones. You just come and fill this wicker basket. Lord, we just thank you for J.F. and for his ministry the fact that, that he can fluently minister uh, in Latin America because of the, the grace that you've given him. Uh, but God, we, right now, we as a church, we come alongside him. We, we lighten the burden of these construction costs. We say we want to partner with him financially. We want to generously sow into what you're doing there. I pray you'd give him divine appointments. I pray that this, this, this dormitory for this boys' school would be a blessing. These boys who are having issues on the streets, having issues with family situations, God, this would be a refuge for the gospel, for the kingdom of God, and we would play a part. And so we're just hoping to lighten lighten the burden a little bit in this situation, your mighty name, amen. So just come on forward. Praise God. You guys are amazing. This is way more than I thought. This is amazing. Their goal was 2,000. Such a generous church. You know, I've traveled to churches all over the state because I was a missionary for a few years, but I was—I've always been blown away by the generosity of this church. You guys are amazing, and so fittingly, as we move on here in Galatians chapter six. Paul actually does address finances. He says, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. For if we do not give up, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. There he uses that phrase, we are family. But in gospel community, gospel community provides an example of sowing and reaping. A natural, uh, a natural principle that articulates a spiritual and moral principle. That what we, that what we sow, we will reap. And here in Iowa, of any place on the planet, we should understand this. When we sow corn, we're going to reap corn. If we sow beans, we're going to reap beans. It doesn't matter how much faith we muster up. If we sow corn, we're not going to reap beans. And it's not just about the type of seed. It's also about the quality of the seed. If you sow a poor seed, you're going to reap a poor harvest. If you sow a good seed, it's more likely you're going to reap a good harvest. In gospel community, it provides this amazing context for us to understand this process of sowing into good things and over time being committed to each other, being loyal over the long haul. Those that have been in this church for a long time, they can attest to the principle of sowing and reaping. Even Friday night or Thursday night, we sat with somebody who's been in this church for a long time. how She's been sowing into this, this, um, this church through prayer Asking for God to establish this church as a, as a house of prayer, as a, a culture infused with, with prayer. That's a principle that only happen, that you only see really lived out in the context of longevity being uh, ha, uh, locked arm in arm with other people. You're sowing into something, and over time, you reap a harvest. The other important thing for us to understand about the principle of sowing and reaping is it doesn't happen quickly. If you've, had, if you've ever, ever had kids, you probably remember them putting their first seeds in the soil, and they think it's going to happen the next day, right? They come out, and they're, they're looking for signs of life. What happened? It must be a broken seed. No, the whole principle of sowing and reaping is you sow the seed. You do the necessary things, give it the nutrients it needs and the, the water and the sunlight, but then you just wait. It's just simply waiting. And so, so it is in gospel community, we we do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And over time, we know the principle will hold fast. It may not look like the world thinks it's going to look. It's not a uh, mathematical formula, but I guarantee you there will be a harvest when you do what is right. You do what is good, and you will reap a harvest of righteousness. I'm going to tell you that's why we invest so much into our young kids downstairs we, we do it because it's the right thing to do do we always see tremendous fruit I, I hear the funniest stories on Monday morning from Nicole the things the kids say she pours her soul out teaches them some amazing principle and they'll take something from left field you know <laughs> that, that's their takeaway and but that's the nature of just doing what's what's right you're doing it not to get an immediate result in our microwave culture Instead, we know we'll reap a harvest years down the road as we see a whole generation raised up to go after Jesus, to accomplish amazing things in this world. That's why we pour so much into the college campus. We can't help but realize that God has placed our church in a town of 37,000 college students. We do it because it's the right thing to do. God is bringing us the nations. We're going we're gonna to sow seeds of the gospel We may not get the glory, we may not see the fruit, but we know it's going to reap reap a harvest. And gospel community, it's right here, guys. Gospel community is an opportunity, provides us with a clear opportunity of sowing and reaping. Let's keep going, second half of this chapter. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is to those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Gospel community is authentic. Paul is calling them out here. He takes the pen from his scribe, who this entire time has been writing with his immaculate, his perfect handwriting. And Paul, maybe, maybe they, they, they assume that he doesn't have the best vision, but also, he's, he's been through the ringer. This guy's been persecuted relentlessly. He's been beaten. Maybe his hand is shaky. At this point, he's just writing with his own hand to show that he's just flesh and blood like them. He's not putting on a show. You know, the, 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 the outward superficialities of facades of perfection, he's setting it to the side at this moment. He grabs the pen. This is the raw, real Paul in this moment. And that is gospel community. The putting on airs, the masks, the superficialities are placed to the side. Because we all realize what we have said the very first week. We are, all, we are all in need of rescuing. And God alone rescues. We're all in this together. And that's at the heart of gospel community. It's not a hierarchy. We all have roles. It's a body. We all have roles. We have places um, to function in our, in our best. But it's not a hierarchy. No, it's a level playing field. We're all called to the table. And Paul calls out that showy religion. Gospel is raw, it's real, it's marked with the authenticity of humility. And real gospel community doesn't have time just for outward change. What we're concerned about is this inward change of the Holy Spirit coming alive in us and, and producing an outward change. But the outward change itself is not what we're going after. Just settling for outward change, like these legalists were contending for, it's just another scheme of self-salvation. So for the sake of time, let's finish off Galatians chapter six. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the Lord or sorry, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Finally, I want to say the gospel community is not easy. Paul points to his own persecution. Gospel community stands for something that this world will not always understand. And here, in the the first few decades of the early church, it was the religious establishment that caused most of the persecution. Later on, it was the Roman government. But regardless, if it's religiosity, religious groups, or whether it be government groups that persecute us, we will not fully be understood by this world. If we're really going after gospel community, we will not be fully understood. There will be persecution. There will be difficulties. And Paul doesn't want them to be fooled. There was a mantra in the campus ministry that Kyle and I really clung to, which was, going after Jesus is simple, but it's not easy. It's always simple, and we should never overcomplicate it, but it's not easy. Jesus said it himself, narrow is the way to life, and few find it. But at the same time, he said, unless we receive the kingdom of God like a child, we will not inherit eternal life. So it is both. It's the simplicity of a child conceptually. But at the same time, it's not easy. It's a difficult path. And real gospel community it is not easy. It's not what comes natural to flow in grace, to face persecution and difficulties. But when we let grace and this Christ, Christ's identity over us rule. There's peace and there's mercy. And we let that be our boast and we let that be our prize. We get to live out community with others. The grace of God expressed and experienced in our midst. It's my prayer for us. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.